Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. So you just have to you just have to snip them all. Just all, everybody's got to got to get their balls cut off. All of them. I, I, yeah, I gotta tell you, man. I did not I did not envision "snip the balls" being the phrase that ended the show. That's uh, it's a very it's well, a very a, tough way to go out. Boys and girls, welcome in Alabama Politics this week. This is uh, this is going to be the greatest show we've ever done. Um, you know, I just say that right up front. You're going to enjoy it because uh, you know we're it, it just is. Uh, Josh Moon and David Person, who is enjoying your new optimism about each show. I like no, that. man. It's uh, hey, listen, I haven't been wrong yet. Each show <laughs> has been better than the last one. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Uh, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we we got a good one. We, we do have a good show for you today. We are, uh, you know, we, we've got a variety of topics. Uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit and, and talk about a, a bunch of different things. And um, uh, we're, we're going to start uh, kind of maybe out of left field for you, all right, because we're not going COVID or some of the other stuff. But uh, there was a story this week about, um, and, and let me tell you why we're doing this, okay, <laughs> before we get into it. Often before we start hit this thing, we have conversations about what we're going to talk about and how we're going to go back and forth. And very often we have to stop these conversations because we say we should talk about this on the podcast. You know, <laughs> we should say this stuff on the, uh, where people can hear us uh, yeah. without all the without all my usual cuss words. Uh, so <laughs> drop a lot of f bombs. Sorry, uh, but. Um, so, so this is how we started on this one. We started actually talking about the uh, story about the 100 law students uh, at the University of Alabama that have now signed on to a petition uh, to give to Forrest Johnson, who's on death row in Alabama, who should not even be in prison in Alabama, but he's somehow or another on death row in Alabama, a new trial. Uh, this is long overdue. It should have happened a long time ago. The former uh, AG of the state, Bill Baxley, has, has gotten behind this movement. The former uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice Drake Neighbors is behind this uh, movement to get to Forrest Johnson a, a new trial. Uh, I mean, nobody who looks at this evidence and, and the way things have unfolded uh, objectively could say beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard, by the way, that this man should be in jail. You, not only that, you couldn't say uh, beyond a reasonable doubt that he's guilty of anything, uh, of doing anything. As a matter of fact, you could make a strong case that the man is innocent of all of this stuff, which is not, which is not his burden to prove uh, originally. His burden is just to maintain a, a, a reasonable uh, you know, to, to cast reasonable doubt on the guilt uh, here. Yeah, and, the onus is on the state. Yeah, yeah. and and they lied and, and cheated their way to uh, to mm-hmm. a conviction. Literally, literally. Yeah, yes, yeah literally. they did. Uh, matter, matter of fact, lied, cheated, and paid, bribed yes. their way to yes. to a conviction. Literally, all documents. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and we know this, and here we are. Um, you know, we're well, see. 
I I blame. I mean, I mean, there's probably a lot of blame to go around, but right now my blame is on whoever was attorney general, uh, whoever was the attorney general uh, when it became clear that there was a problem here, and certainly the current attorney general, Steve mm-hmm. Marshall. It seems to me like if you come into office and you know this case is hanging out there with these egregious violations of this man's civil rights with what I think has to be called uh, prosecutorial misconduct and malfeasance on behalf of the state. Mm -hmm. How in the freaking hell, I'm going to try not to use an F-bomb here. It makes me so angry that I'm getting pretty damn close. How in the freaking hell can you be a a a a a, uh, a a representative of the court and of the state constitutionally bound to uphold the law and let something like this just linger mm-hmm. where you know a man whose rights have been violated is in jail and yep. just continues to or prison continues to be in prison when republicans and democrats jurors and prosecutors and even a Supreme former Supreme Court justice are saying this man at the very least needs a new trial. How do you let that hang out there? Well, you're you're an asshole. Uh, so, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, yeah. And, and no, you don't and mean think, me. You mean. No, 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 no. General. I mean, that's I'm answering your question. I mean, yeah. how, oh, how I do you see. let that hang okay. out there? And, okay. and uh, you know, that's how you do it uh, is is you are more concerned with your image and the image yeah. of your office than you are with with justice. OK. Yeah. And that's just a that's just a matter of fact. All right. You cannot you in this case. You cannot look at the evidence that we have here, the statements, um, the the way things have have unfolded, um, the the evidence that was used to convict the man. You cannot look at this and and say now objectively that there is that there's no way uh, that this man should be out of prison. You can't do that. You you there, there's no way you can can make a case for keeping this man locked up. Much less on death row. Much less on death row, and. Yeah, they do it. And I this is something I have never understood. I have I and all you watch these things take place that, you know, the, the Brian Stevenson story, uh, you know, um, uh, the, from from his great book. Yeah. 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 Just mercy. And, and watch how that unfolded and uh, and know the story of Anthony Ray Hinton uh, and, and know that there are people were still fi- matter of fact, matter of fact. The man who you mentioned earlier, our attorney general, fought tooth and nail and was ultimately successful in blocking Anthony Ray Hinton from receiving compensation for his wrongful conviction. That's and right. you know why he did that? You know what what standard he used to block you mean that aside, compensation? Aside from the aside from the name you called him, you mean right, okay. <laughs> right, right. What, aside what from else? that, yeah, he what? see in order to receive compensation, you uh, for being wrongfully convicted and locked up for decades. You have to prove that you were innocent. Mm-hmm. So the state simply said, we're not going. There, there was a mistrial was uh, declared and the state elected not to prosecute him further. So therefore, he had no opportunity to prove that he was innocent because the state chose not to prosecute him. Mm. So by that standard, he is still uh, ineligible to receive compensation. Because the state's uh, position in this and Steve Marshall's position in this 
is that he's possibly still guilty. We just can't prove it because the evidence is too old. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so that's the, what we're dealing with. That's the mindset yeah. that we're dealing with, that there yeah. is nothing, you know, that they never do anything wrong. Uh, and if they do something wrong, well, then, that you know, it was just a matter of them seeking justice and, and, and something happened, you know, with it, whatever. Yeah, so, we, so we spent a few decades in prison. Big deal. Uh, you know, and. and this is this is the mindset that we deal with, and that's the reason why this mindset is the reason why our prison system is in the shape that it's in. Well, and I would argue that it's a reflection on more than just our prison system. I think it's a reflection on Alabama standing in virtually every aspect of quality of life, because Agreed. what we've got here is a twisted, sick mindset that purports to value life. But really doesn't. It devalues life by virtue of, uh, of, of the kinds of actions that we're talking about here, where you have an easy, fundamental way to show that you value life and you value justice, and you damn refuse to do it. You mm-hmm. refuse to do it. You refuse to rectify your own wrongs. In fact, you try to justify or protect your own wrongdoing. And I think that's a toxin. It's a spiritual, moral, ethical toxin that permeates our whole state. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? what you, the, the other thing that's really weird to me, the other thing that's so weird is this notion that there is going to be some catastrophic fallout from you going back and doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, it, from, from you going back and saying, well, it's a fears, it appears as though to Forrest Johnson— uh, was wrongfully convicted. And so, uh, or at least the, the trial was, you know, a lot of the evidence was held in error. So we're going to retry this or, you know, we're going to release him uh, without admitting fault or whatever, however they want to term it. The idea to me that there is going to be some outpouring of outrage over that fact is nonsensical. And I, I don't know what world that prosecutors find themselves in where- so you think- so you're saying you think the reason that Marshall is taking the position he's taking is because he thinks there's going to be an outcry against releasing this man, that that's I, part I th- of his motivation? I think that part of his motivation, very, uh, I think part of all of Steve Marshall's motivation is political in nature. Um, and I think that what he believes is that there that he will um, be criticized and possibly lose support from people if he releases this well, man. And now I, I don't think that that's the case at all. I don't, I mean, not to me, I think that's, that's crazy. Uh, but you know, well, you know, my, my thought about that is, is pretty straightforward. One, you're a leader, mm-hmm. you were elected to lead. Yep. So, uh, if, if, if you need to lead in terms of explaining to the, the public, why the state needs to correct, take corrective action in this case, then be it, damn it, be a leader, lead, take a stand for something. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. So people have an outcry, if they have a problem with it, make the case, explain to them why you're doing what you're doing, justify it, you know, and, 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 and make it clear that this is for the betterment of all people, that, that doing the right thing 
you know, helps to make the state a viable or, or helps the state to remain a viable entity. That's point number one. Point number two, when you've been caught in the scandal that he's been caught in, mm-hmm. you know, it seems to me like the least of your worries should be, I'm afraid I'm going to lose support. He's already lost a lot of support in his party. And, and he's and he certainly never had our support. Right. And he's lost a lot of support in this part. He doesn't really have anything left to lose based <laughs> on the scandal that he's just come out well, of. Well, you know, look, let, let's be honest, okay? And and because it and it, it probably shouldn't have taken us this long to get to this this particular aspect of this. And and let's be honest and say that that a part of this um uh and a part of the problems that anyone would have with it with a man who it, it all it appears at, at this point is um, is very much innocent of the crime in which he was convicted and placed in prison for decades uh, over, um, is race. Um, you know, it, it is the the visual of him releasing a black man that was convicted of murder. Uh, you know, murder, uh, and I, that listen, and and it is a a pander that they continue to use in the Republican Party. Uh, hell, just this week. The former president uh, went to bat for Robert E. Lee uh, and talked about how if he had been, uh, if if only we had had Robert E. Lee uh, leading the troops in Afghanistan, it wouldn't have been such a disgrace. Um, you know, that's you know that's a that's a pander. I mean, who yeah. gives a damn about Robert E. Lee, really? I mean, you know what I mean? Who yeah. cares? Who cares yeah. about Robert E. Lee? Some dude who was a traitor to the country. Uh, and, you know, why you got him up on a pedestal somewhere? You know why? You know why you've got him on a pedestal? Because it's a thumb to the eye to black people. You know, that's a, all, the only reason. It's placating those racists that are going to show up and vote for you. And that's the same thing with this right here. Part of the motivation is placating the racists that are going to be outraged because you let a black man out out of prison. So I I mean, I, I certainly get where you're coming from, especially as a black man, knowing that we are disproportionately sentenced to death mm-hmm. and targeted by the death penalty, not just in this state, but, you know, in other places too. But, but, but I wonder, the only thing, I wonder how much race really has to do with this, Josh, only because uh, this is a state that has made it pretty clear that we are dedicated to killing people when we have the chance. When we have what we consider to be legal cover, we will kill black people, white people, women, men. We don't, you know, I mean, now, granted, we will kill blacks disproportionately, mm-hmm. you know, to whites. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, um, you know, because if you look at the number of blacks that are on death row, it's, it's out of proportion to the number of blacks that are in the population of this state. So, yes, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can see it from that standpoint, but I, I'm really, there's a part of me though, that just thinks it wouldn't matter what color the person was or gender that, that just simply the opportunity for the state to kill it, it satiates something deep in the twisted psyche, which again goes back to that toxicity I was talking about earlier, the twisted psyche of our of our state culture mm-hmm. about uh, you know, this, this sort of this sort of really twisted puritanical bloodlust that we have, you know, uh and and we and as long as we're meeting out punishment that's fatal, mm-hmm. you know, somehow we feel that that's efficacious. It's just really bizarre well, to me. 
I mean, I, I agree to that to on, on a lot of that, but I'll say I think I have some statistics that would support what I'm okay. saying. Um, okay. And and there, there were some that that uh, Representative Chris England shared with us, and then later shared on Twitter. Um, you look at the parole rates uh, right mm-hmm. now in prisons, uh, where sixty four percent. I'm sorry, sixty eight percent of the paroles granted since 2018 have gone to white men. Mm. Uh, white, even though black prisoners have applied for parole more so than, than the white prisoners in, in mm. uh, or what the white incarcerated people. So, I mean, we have, there is a racial disparity there in which we seem to see white people as less guilty at, at, for all levels of crimes um, well, not only less guilty, Josh, but I think more deserving, more deserving of a, of a chance. Right. And so I think yeah. I think 100 percent if this man right here with this evidence was a white dude, mm-hmm. I think that there's no chance in hell he's still in prison after all these stories that have been written. Well, um, you, you may be right. You may be yeah. right. You I think it's right. it's a yeah. mind. It's it's an ingrained sort of mindset. Which, man, I'm. You know, that, that ingrained thing, I wish there was some sort of critical way we could study these sorts of things over history to figure out how it happened. Mm. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, how, yeah, how, well, yeah. some sort of critical race We're, theory or something. Yeah, maybe? maybe something like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody would come up with that one day. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, huh. and, and so, yeah, I think that it, it is 100 uh, percent ingrained in this system here, uh, this fear of black men. Uh, among white men and, and white people in general, um, uh, you know, an unnatural sort of fear. Uh, this uh, this attitude of of indifference for black people, at, you know, on any levels, much less people who are guilty, you know, of crimes and stuff. They don't care. They don't care about them. They don't care about uh, the suffering that has taken place in the prisons. You see the stories all the time. Whenever we talk about uh, what's got the, the awful conditions in prisons or whatever, the overwhelming response from white people, not just in positions of power, but white people everywhere, is total indifference to it. Total uh, as a matter of fact, it's almost a hatefulness for even us bringing it up. Oh, well, shouldn't have gone to prison then, seems to me like. Maybe don't rob and steal, you know. Um, and so this idea that there, I mean, you have to go so far uh, with evidence to support the releasing of a black prisoner, much less one convicted of murder and on death row, that it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. And they will fight you to the death to keep that dude locked up, man. It doesn't matter how obvious it is. Hell, they were, you know, they fought Anthony Ray Hinton when it was clear what was taking place. Yeah. All the yeah. way, you know, the judges fighting him all the way to the to, to the last possible second. The prosecutor was still fighting after they released him, for God's mm-hmm. sakes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just that that to me is uh you know it just is one more sort of element to this whole thing and and you know DeForest Johnson shouldn't be in jail i mean he shouldn't you know uh, it nope. just and and i have actually seen I, i'll tell you this i've actually seen somebody who is on uh, a radio who has a radio program in this state say that well he would have done something else you know oh my god really yeah yeah so you know huh. It's just uh, it's just that sort of mindset. You know what I mean? And and then they'll look you straight in the eye later and tell you it's not about race. It's not racism. But you know what it is? I mean, they, you know, even if all of it is not racism, there's still that motivation that's there that makes it 
that much harder for for a black man or a black woman, for that matter, to prove their innocence. Well, I think I think it, I think any anybody who says, oh, well, he was just going to do something else anyway. Uh, that's absolutely about something that's bigoted and discriminatory. You know, you mm-hmm. can say it's not about race. You can say it's about class or, you know, whatever, whatever contrivance they come up with. Of course, I'm with you. I think it's in this case, I would say it's absolutely about race. But um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that again, that that speaks to the fallacy of this whole idea that we really believe in law and order. No, what we really believe in. What we really believe in is, is a, uh, I think, a very punitive kind of justice system that is driven by presuppositions like racial superiority, class superiority, uh, and things like that. I think that's really what we've got. And, uh, of course, we don't want to admit that because right. it's, a, it's an indictment on us and not just on us presently, but on our whole freaking system, you know. Uh, But again, I continue to say to people, we have a country that was that is fundamentally based on two things, stolen land and stolen people. And until we are willing to reconcile with that, we are going to continue to have problems in our nation because we we have never truly rectified either one of those situations. Just hadn't been done. No. And, well. and based on what we've seen over the past 400 plus years, ain't going to be done. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I'm, I, David, are you really saying that, okay, slavery was bad. Get over it. It, no, it isn't reconciling this? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it just is so, the, the, the idiocy that, that I hear so often, uh, you know, from people that like the, the, that all things ended when slavery did, you know, all racism ended, except right. for, you know, those Jim Crow laws that were there, uh, you know, right. the, 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 the riots and everything else, uh, that, you know, the, the redlining that's, that is still taking place today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the inability for, for black business owners to get loans. Oh, you know, well, whatever, you know, it just, mm-hmm. you know, it's all of these things. And, and I mean, I've tell people all the time, I was like, all right, look, is your life, that you have, you know, the things that you have achieved in your life, are they easy? Were they easy to obtain? Was it a cakewalk for you? And inevitably, it was like, no, no, I worked my ass off. I had to struggle every day to do this and that. That's right, you did. Now imagine somebody was trying to keep you from it just because of the color of your skin. Right. Every single day. Now, don't you right. think that would piss you off every day? And, you know, and it, well, you know, who's doing that? I said, like, okay. Would you like for me to count them off for you? And it just, you know, it, it just gets into a whole thing. But it, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I've never, I've never understood this, this thing, especially from people who claim to be so beholden to a justice system and law and order um, to take a look. You know, part of that is when people are innocent, making sure they're not in jail. You know, that's a big part of that. Big part of um, uh, you know, and and the idea now that you have a person there uh, that that is very well innocent, it should keep you up at night. And if it's not, then you're not the right person to be in that position. That's uh, right. Especially know. if you are the attorney general of a state, governor of a state, somebody who has the power to take corrective action. You ought to be haunted in your dreams by the thought that, that this is not hypothetical. 
We know that this man was subjected to unjust treatment under the color of law, and you're going to your bed every night sleeping with your thousand count thread sheets or whatever the hell it is that you sleep on, you know, eating a good meal, watching your Netflix, you know, knowing that you're living in comfort while this man is unjustly suffering. You know, I just, I don't know. It just seems to me like the devil ought to be haunting you every night in your dreams. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know how you could do it either, um, you know, and, and, and sleep soundly. But, you know, they, they do. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Key Ivy's watching on Netflix? I don't think I can say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't want uh, to. Bridgerton? You think she's watching Bridgerton? Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have some ideas. Again, I don't think I can share them. <laughs> 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 for fear that we'll get sued. <laughs> We're not saying she is. I'm saying what do you think she is, you know? So oh, a, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll go with Bridgerton. Yeah, okay. we'll go with that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. Making sure that's what I, what I thought, too. Uh, All righty. We have our very own Karen uh, as a guest today, right? Oh, don't we have a Karen? Yes, we do, actually. We have Karen Core. She's going to join us. And in fact, she just reminded me I have not sent her a Zoom link. So I'm <laughs> going to do that right now. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll we'll talk to our very own Karen. And, and hope, hopefully she will, you know, not act like a Karen. And we'll have a nice conversation. And so, no, uh, yeah, I know she will. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back in a, uh, just a tip and uh, talk to Karen. Uh, it's Alabama Politics This Week. The power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't um, is kind of an old boys club. And we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like it. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give, give people an example of, of what you could do. If, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission or they wanted to run for, for you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online to have everything set up and running smoothly. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up, um, is a ad buying platform. So you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep. So we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me SC Clayton five. Um, you can email me Beth at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. Welcome back to Alabama Politics this week. It is my pleasure to introduce uh, to our audience and to my man Josh. Karen Kaur. Karen is the director of Persistence Pack, which is uh, a pack that is uh, not really that new. I don't guess. Karen, is it? Is it? Uh, how long? Two thousand seventeen. Okay. Well, a few years. Yeah, a few years. 
welcome, welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. So uh, I, I guess in the interest of full disclosure, I'll say that I am uh, one of the board members of Persistence Pack. But uh, but you will be speaking. What? Wait a minute! You're affiliated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is, and we're proud of that. Yeah, yeah. I've got no problems. I got no problems. He's he's fighting the good fight. I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, he is. So, Karen, tell us, uh, tell us what, uh, tell us about Persistent Pack. What, uh, how was it founded, and what's its purpose? Sure. Well, it, it was founded because of. Uh, the election of 2016, which is why a lot of things happened, um, a lot of good things happened um, after that election. Um, I got involved because, well, I mean, I'll back up a little bit. Um, back in my much younger days, I was actually a Republican. And and uh, uh, after the first election of Ronald Reagan, I switched. Uh, I finally got smart and switched over. Um, and and uh so when 2016 came along, um, I was, of course, horrified and that America had elected this sort of racist buffoon. That's my opinion. Um, and uh, and so I got involved and I did that through uh, Madison County Democratic Women. And um, and and I wanted to do fundraising. I I had been uh, retired for a little while and I had been on boards of uh, uh, several boards here in town. and had done fundraising there and, and, uh, and, and liked it, which is rare. Nobody likes it. Um, but, but I do. And, uh, um, and so I thought that I would do that with Madison County Democratic Women. And what I learned was that the best way to do that was to form a PAC, um, which horrified me initially because PACs have such a terrible reputation. Um, but, just legally speaking, uh, in terms of raising um, as much money as you possibly can, a PAC's the way to do that. So uh, we formed um, Persistence PAC. And of course, the, the name comes from uh, the Elizabeth Warren. Well, actually, it was a uh, it was Mitch McConnell's quote, I guess, when he said, and, and therefore she persisted. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, she persisted. I, nevertheless, I have she that, persisted. I have that uh, that T-shirt from my from my daughter. Yeah, she has. Yeah. She wears that all the time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so that's where the name originally came from, and um, uh, so we really uh, formed because I was looking for a way to raise money. Um, one thing I learned about Republicans is that they get that whole money thing, and uh, and they're very successful at raising it. And and uh, and and you do need money, like it or not, you need money to uh, to have elections and to to run candidates. Um, so I thought, well, that's the way that I can uh, do my small part in in helping um, this country from ruin. And uh, so so that's why it was was founded. And and uh, um, we also decided to do a little bit different. Um, which is kind of why our logo is a different kind of pack for a different kind of politics. We, uh, you know, packs have this, this, uh, Ooh, dark money and, and secrets and all that. And so the first thing I said was we're going to be completely transparent with everything we do. We have no secrets. We have no, you know, we raise money, we give it away to candidates. Um, we don't ask for anything in return. Um, so there's no, uh, you know, I'm going to give you money if you'll do this, that, or the other for me. Um, uh, we, we simply are trying to help good candidates 
try to get elected in the state of Alabama. We are also a federal PAC. We uh, helped out Doug Jones uh, quite a bit. And um, uh, um, unfortunately, this last time he didn't win, but uh, we do do both state and federal, mostly state. Um, but we decided we'd do it a little bit different by uh, not only asking for straight up donations, but also to put on events and uh, bring talent and um, speakers to Huntsville um, and try to make some money on that. And therefore people can get together, learn things. Um, we've had John Pavlovich, uh, Amy Siskind. We brought in the Second City Comedy Troupe. Um, we did a speaker series with Joyce Vance, John Archibald, Vivian Figures. Um, uh, we, uh, and Chris England. Um, we brought Randy Rainbow to Huntsville, which was great, well-attended event at the Civic Center. Um, every October, we have Monster Mash, which is our big Halloween fundraiser costume party. Um, uh, before COVID, the last one that we did was uh, uh, all the money went to Doug Jones, and we gave him 30-something thousand dollars for his campaign. And then every March, we do the Bid on Blue auction which uh, the one coming up in March of next year is going to have Trey Crowder as the MC. Right. Oh, that that oh, should be right. fun. Yeah. So, so that's kind of what we do. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm still new to the, uh, to the PAC board, relatively speaking. I don't think it's been quite a year yet, or maybe it's right about a year. So yeah. I'm, I'm asking this not just uh, in my capacity here as co-host of this podcast, but also, <laughs> also as a board member, I really don't actually know what has the what has the challenge been, or, or or how would you describe the challenge, Karen, of raising money for blue causes and candidates in a very red state? Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest challenge is that people feel it's a lost cause, and so why throw money at a lost cause? I don't happen to feel that way, um, and I try to convince people every day that that's not the case. In fact. Madison County is on the verge of turning blue. And a lot of people don't realize that, but it is. There's so many young people moving into to Madison County. Um, and so, you know, you when when you live in a state that has a supermajority of of Republican Party, um, I might note that uh, with that Republican supermajority that Alabama's last in almost everything, just just a, just an aside. <laughs> um, but the challenge is is basically uh convincing people that it matters. We've got to support candidates. There was a time, uh, the election before last in the state where hardly any Democrats ran because they, they just felt it was a waste of time. In this last um, election in 18, um, we had Democrats on almost every, uh, every uh, slot. So um, now we didn't win much based on that, but we're on the rise. And I believe this next time we will win some slots, um, certainly coming out of, out of uh, Madison County. So that's the biggest challenge. Um, Democrats also historically um, don't give money to the level that Republicans do. Um, uh, and that's also a challenge. You, you, you have to sort of change that mindset. And that's why I thought, well, we'll give them something for their money and maybe that'll help entertainment of, of some sort. 
You know, uh, I've dealt with uh, you know political reporting and, and stuff for for so long. I've dealt with with both sides of this, and um, you know, with the Republicans and the Democrats. And um, you mentioned one of the things I was going to bring up was that it, it seems like it is a constant struggle to get uh, Democrats, uh, voters, business owners, uh, everybody up and down the line uh, to to give. At the same level that Republicans seem to give, and um, and and even further in that is you if you if you look at the Republican Party and the way that they have gone that they go about things and the way that they kind of took power uh, in this state, it was such a, um, I, you know, it was such a circle the wagons sort of mentality that they had, uh, where we we. We take, you know, we want you to give, but if you give to us, you know, we're going to make sure that, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner, that your business is, is used and promoted and, and you're, we're going to use the, you know, obviously the printing company got a guy in trouble, but uh, you know what I'm saying? It was, um, it, it was those types of things though, you know, that we're, if you do, if you do business with us, we're going to make sure that on the backside of this thing, uh, that things come back around and, and you benefit in some way. And, you know, and I don't want it to be a pay to play sort of thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating for that. But when one side is doing that, and the other side is not, I think that causes a big problem for you in the area of fundraising. And and, and I just want, wondered from having done this for so long, do you agree with that? Um, I, I do. Uh, not only that, pe- democratic businesses, or, or I should say democratic owners of businesses, um, are afraid to affiliate with a democratic event or um, PAC or anything because they're afraid they'll lose business. Um, and, and that's unfortunate, although I do think that we're so divided as a country right now that um, Democrats do tend to support more Democratic businesses. I know I do, and, and Republicans uh, go their way as well. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I agree that's a problem. Yeah, um, it, it just seems like... Um... You know, and because the, the other, it seems like the way out of this is, um, uh, you know, they're right now Democrats control uh, the the major counties uh, for the most part, except for Madison County. Uh, but we're, as you mentioned, they're, they're on the rise. Um, and, but Montgomery, Jefferson County, Mobile, uh, you know, a lot of that is controlled by Democrats on, on county commissions and city councils. And that's a lot of money. You know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of government contracts uh, that are going out. That's a lot of people that could, you know, that could influence elections in the future. Um, and it, it just seems like it, it, it there should be a more concerted effort at telling people um, up and down the line there that if you if, if we support each other, that this is going to benefit and it would ultimately benefit PACs like yours and, and the candidates uh, up and down the ballot. Right. I I think um, one of the things Republicans have done really well uh, for a long time is is when they disagree, they go behind closed doors and they hash it out. And when they come out, they're unified. Uh, Democrats are still slugging it out when they come out. (laughs) Still Still in court, still still filing lawsuits. Yeah. (laughs) And and uh, and and that doesn't help anybody. You know, they get so divided on a, a single issue or two that they end up you know, they, they don't go behind closed doors and compromise the way I think Republicans do. And I think that's necessary. Um, you know, you can't say, well, I'm not. It's like the people that 
that didn't like Hillary. And so they didn't vote for her. Well, you know, how'd that work out? <laughs> you know, so um, to where Republicans, they're going to, it doesn't matter if they can't stand the, the candidate, they're going to vote for him if they're Republican. They, they line up and they do, they call the party line and Democrats are not as good as that, unfortunately. I wish we could change that. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, oh, let me ask you this, Karen. Sure. Uh, is um, is persistence pack unique in the state uh, as a as a fundraising organization uh, for for Democratic candidates and causes? Uh, I've I've not heard of any other democratically oriented or blue packs. Are are we alone in that regard? I don't I don't know. I can't say for sure. I do know that most. Um, PACs tend to be affiliated with something, the power company or the lumber industry or whatever, um, some particular agenda. And then they go um, uh, give money to candidates to to make sure that they vote appropriately. That's the one thing I didn't want to do is uh, is is force somebody to say, yeah, we're going to do this and that for you if we get elected. Um, uh, I think that's the bad part of politics. But if there's a PAC like ours, um, this blue, I'm, I'm not aware of it. I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's gotta be. Um, what are you, uh, in, in, in the, in the work that you're doing for our pack, uh, what, what's your, what's your prognosis for the future of the democratic party? <laughs> um, I actually think that the, uh, uh, that in Alabama, I think it's going to take a while, but I do see changes coming. In in my opinion, Madison County will turn, uh, like Josh said a minute ago, uh, Birmingham, Mobile, uh, um, Montgomery, the uh, the cities there are already blue. Um, the Republicans, and I think this Texas thing is, is going to have an, an odd benefit. It's got some horrible things about it, for sure. But I think one of the benefits is they're actually pushing people too far. Um, uh, it, it's just a bizarre um, r- ruling and taking people's, you know, making it so difficult for people to vote. Um, I think that's going to backfire. And, and, uh, and I think it's going to uh, be a big help in the midterm elections. I certainly hope so. Um, but I, I feel positive, but I, I generally try to always feel positive. I, I try to go at things feeling like it's going to have a good outcome. And, um, you know, the, the 2016, I think sent a shockwave through half of America and, and uh, I'm not sure we've recovered for that, but um, I, I believe that there's hope. I do. And all we can do is keep trying to get Democrats elected and getting them to run. We're trying to build a bench, which means you, you keep funding Democrats, you keep getting them out there and, and getting them the experience of running for office and, and hopefully get some in office. Uh, this next time, and try to break that supermajority in Alabama. You you, you got to think there's a breaking point. Um, yeah. Here uh, at some point, just because um, shocking you, we haven't you, already gotten it. <laughs> right. Well, maybe and maybe we have. It's just you know you're you're right though. I mean, it's you look at the Texas thing, and you know they're going to pull that in, in Alabama, and they're going to push it as hard as they can, and they'll ultimately get it passed. And you look at the polling on that, and even in this red state. 
um, that that type of restriction on abortion uh, rights is is very unpopular among the majority of voters. Now we're gerrymandered to the point where that often um, you know helps Republicans ultimately, but you know I, I think that it does push people to give. You know that's one thing that isn't gerrymandered it, mandered is giving, um, and so I think that it, you you could have some things. Uh, some good things happen out of that, but e- even more so, you look around. You mentioned earlier that uh, we're last. We're as Robert Bentley once said, "We're last in everything good and, and first in everything bad." Um, and you know that's that's true. I mean, you know, we've made zero progress for the working people of Alabama. Uh, you know, the working class folks in this state. We've made zero progress in any identifiable area for them, and in many areas, we've regressed. Um, and I don't know what it takes messaging wise to get that point across, uh, but maybe we're there. I, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe you've seen an uptick. Yeah. I, I wanted a while back. I wanted to, to, uh, the, the persistence pack to, to fund a billboard that said supermajority has been in Alabama for the last 12 years, the Republican supermajority. We are last in almost everything. Huh? just just to kind of you know make people go huh is that true you know and and it is of course um yeah or just say is your life better you know is is your life better at all right Right. um so i I believe there's a change coming i mean republicans are not for very popular things uh (laughs) they're they're getting impassed regardless but um well i don't know we'll see we'll see well, Karen, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on and, and the work that you're doing. Um, I mean, I, I think that it's, um, you know, it's I know it's pushing a rock up a hill most days. Um, uh, and uh, believe That's me, right. I, I believe me, I've got the email inbox to, to show you that I, I understand completely. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's, you know, it, it is. And, but ultimately, uh, you know, I think we can say that we, we know we're doing the right thing for the right causes and for the right people. And um, and so I certainly appreciate that. And I would encourage people uh, to give. And, you know, I, I guess one thing we should we should do. Uh, even though I know we have a political minded uh, listening audience here is tell people how they can give if they would like to. Sure. You can go to our website or Facebook, either one uh, persistence pack, Uh We have no overhead. Um, uh, 100% of the money that we raise goes to candidates. Um, we interview the candidates before they uh, get money from us. We meet with them in person. We, we find out what they're doing right and wrong and how we can help them. Some cases we don't feel we can help them, and in, but in most cases we have. And, uh, and so um, we appreciate everybody's support. And, but Persistence Pack, you can just Google Persistence Pack uh, Alabama and you'll, you'll find us and uh, we appreciate any donations you can make. All right. Karen, we, we really appreciate you coming on and, and hopefully we can get some folks over your way and, and we can turn some of these places blue and, and start uh, start the ball rolling. Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, right, thanks for joining us, Karen, right. and appreciate your leadership at Persistence Pack. All right, thanks so much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Wouldn't mind. Uh, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. Or maybe not even a nice one. Just a rating and a review. Uh, just let us know what you think about the podcast. And uh, We've gotten to where we read some of these reviews on the air because some of them are uh, pretty funny and clever. So be funny, clever, and you'll get your uh, review read on the air. And 
uh, the rating helps us out a little bit as well. So if you don't mind, leave us a nice rating and a review or a terrible rating and a review, whatever you'd like to do. However you feel about the podcast, we appreciate your, your input, and uh, thanks for listening as always. All righty. Welcome back to uh, Alabama Politics this week. You know, it's it's a shame that you have to hire smart asses for your producer's job. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. uh, aren't you supposed to keep that kind of stuff in-house <laughs> well no uh, but uh, no it's a good uh, you know he, he does good work so we'll keep him around here you know it's, yeah he does yeah. he does really yeah. good work all right I, um I, one, one of the things that we didn't really talk about at length is the um, the, the Huntsville uh, police issue uh there after the uh conviction and sentencing of of Ben Darby, William Ben Darby. Um, you know, I, it's um it has become apparent here that we have a real problem in within that police department, uh, with the culture that is that is prevalent there. Um, you know, and you can look at a number of factors, uh, the way they handled the uh the protests, uh the George Floyd protests a couple, uh, year or so back. Um, the way that the police chief uh, kind of went after innocent citizens that were just protesting peacefully uh, there and, I mean, indicted them in front of the council for, for being Antifa and uh, and really seemed to be swayed by stupid Facebook uh, posts and memes. Um, and and then the way they stuck up for uh, for Darby uh, after after seeing the video of what happened on the scene where he went in and shot a man who w- was not posing a threat to him or the other officers uh, and where two other officers were attempting, you know, to calmly and rationally de-escalate the situation. Um, and then they punished the other two officers, cleared Darby, uh, continued to back him, backed him all the way through the trial, even after the guilty verdict, continued to back him, um, was encouraging, uh, you know, they had the uh, the email, uh, the AL.com reported on from the chief's office um, that was encouraging officers to donate their, uh, their off time to him, uh, their PTO time, so he could have that. Uh, left him on salary for uh, for a month, more than a month, um, even after a guilty a guilty verdict and a, a, for murder uh, of all things, he was still on the payroll over there that we were paying, uh, and they claimed it was some federal law they couldn't violate, which nobody could, and then they wouldn't answer any more questions about it, um, and, and then now this week there is uh, an officer that sent out an email. Uh, asking people to buy shirts, uh, you know, a training officer of all things, asking people to buy shirts in support of the guy uh, because he was so wrongfully and unjustly convicted. And uh, to, it is so egregious that the very pro-police uh, former U.S. attorney uh, in Alabama, Jay Town, who's going to be running for something, I assume, which, although, I, as I said on Twitter, if he keeps making rational statements, he can kiss that goodbye, um, <laughs> uh, come out and say, what are you talking about? There's nothing There's nothing unjust about that conviction and what happened. The man, it was an egregious act, and the man was punished for it. Uh, I don't know. What else needs to be seen here for the DOJ to take a look at this and say, we got a real issue in terms of leadership, uh, in terms of uh, you know, a prevailing corrosiveness within that in that department that would lead them to it. Listen, if you've got a group of officers 
that watched that video and said, I'm going to support that guy. I think that's a that's a big problem you've got there. Yeah. And and I, you know, and and once all of the full details were known, uh, you know, you know, once we were really clear on the specifics of what was captured in that video, it, it just astounded me all the more that the mayor was sitting no more than six feet from me in his conference room with, along with other members of the Rosa Parks committee. And he actually says to, to me and to us that he thought that officer Darby had done the right thing and that the other two officers uh, were not uh, following policy or training or however he put it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he indicted them. And it's just astounding to me. And, and, the, and I, you know, you talked about race in, in, in our first segment before uh, Karen Court joined us. And, and I just want to say, uh, maybe I've been wrong in saying that race has not been a factor in this whole William Darby case. And I said that because, and I've said that publicly, uh, you know, as a member of the Rosa Parks Committee, Josh, because, you know, you have a white police officer who kills a white man, right? So I'm saying this is not about race in this particular case. This is about uh, a, a very faulty, uh, troubling culture of policing uh, that 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 has to do with more than race. It, it it you know it has to do with just the the mindset of policing and and how to do how how we interact or how police interact with people uh, who have uh, mental illness or who are or, or who are under mental duress. But I think actually I'm wrong because as we've pointed out and has been pointed out, the two officers who were there were black. They were black, a male and a female. They were, they had the situation de-escalated. The man was just talking. Granted, he had a flare gun to his head, pointed at his own head, but he was talking with the officers. He was talking with them. They had, I would argue, a better than 50% chance of taking the man into custody and getting him some help because he wasn't pointing the gun at them. He wasn't agitated. But this other officer comes in and is agitated. And so in, what, 11 seconds, less than 15 seconds, he makes a decision after yelling at the other police officers, who were, by the way, more senior than he, to kill. He makes a decision to kill this man. It makes me think that perhaps he conducted the way himself the way he did because he was white. And it makes me think perhaps, and I'm not saying that this is absolutely true, but it's certainly, I, I now am beginning to think that the reaction of the mayor and of the police chief might in fact be in part, not just because they subscribe to a very dangerous, faulty culture of policing, but because they saw a white man take what they saw as decisive action. And so that gave it a credibility 
that they did not extend to the black police officers who actually had the situation under control. Yep. I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think, uh, I think a lot of this is, um, is, is a, it, it, you're hundred percent right. It's built on the attitude that here is a white man who, who did something that these other white people relate to, you know, that they can understand, you know, there's just a, well, you know, I understand what he was doing. This is what he was thinking. You know, he went in and there's, you know, and he's having, you know, well, there, clearly this black lady over here didn't have you know, a, uh, an emotional woman trying to talk him down, you know, uh, you know, and it just, um, it was idiotic. It's idiotic. The whole thing, when you look at this tape and you just remove, just, just watch it with your eyes closed and listen to what they're saying and listen to the words and how they're being used. And then to know uh, on the back side of this, if you would, if he would have stood there and, and and at least waited for a threat, which likely never would have come from uh, from Mr. Parker, likely never would have, because he'd already told the officer, "Listen, I'm not going to shoot you. I have no interest in hurting anybody here, but myself." Um, I, I would say you said fifty fifty. Hell, there's a much better chance than that because. I mean, it was a flare gun. We know that it, that it was a flare. It might have, you know, hurt him severely in some way, but it probably would not have killed him in, in any way, even if he would pulled the trigger. And so, I think that there was very, very little chance that he was ever going to point that thing at them uh, and attempt to do anything because he knew it was a flare gun. Um, and and so, I, you know, it just I understand that it's a difficult situation for a police officer to walk into. All right, but you can't tell me. That it's a difficult, you can't use that as an excuse to excuse away his behavior because two other cops were in there not doing that shit, okay? And and if you then take those cops and punish them for trying to de-escalate a situation, you, and to this day, to this day, nobody has ever said to those cops what they did wrong. That you, They never told them that what, you know, what they, they didn't have their gun up for a period of time. But she clearly says in there, and I have read the manual on this, that that's not necessarily the tactic that she's supposed to take. She's supposed to raise her gun if she feels threatened uh, in that situation. And if she doesn't, to de-escalate the situation, she's not supposed to point her gun at, the, at, at a suspect like that. So to this day, nobody has explained what they did wrong. And so that's because everybody knows they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. It was cover for this dude. Is all it was. And, and you know, for us to now uh, to be given excuses for this guy and, and for them still to be on this like this, it's so egregious. And to watch other Republicans and other law, you know, people that, that have been involved in the law for so long, like Jay Town, to come out and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> watch the video. It's such an indictment of these people. And it's such an indictment of the leadership of the police force of the largest city in Alabama at this point. I mean, how this is not an outrage to people, I just don't know. And I'll tell you this, I think, I, I, and I, I hate to say this uh, because I, it's it's terrible that it's true, that I, that I think it's true. And I, I think it's true that, that part of what may ultimately drive change in this is the fact that Jeffrey Parker was not a black man. Um, I think uh, there would be a lot yeah. of resistance in the community still in the, even though I think Huntsville is a, is a more progressive community than many areas in this state. I still think there would be a lot of resistance if he were a black man, uh, to, to change. 
That that could very well be. Now, I will say, um, well, that could very well be. I, I don't know. Uh, I think if he were, I think, honestly, I think if he were, if he had been a black man, uh, I think there would have been, uh, there would have been, more, well, I think that there would have been much more active resistance from the community, especially the churches, had he been a black man. And that's not to say that churches weren't, you know, standing with us because there were churches and pastors standing with the Rosa Parks Committee and others. But I think the church community would have been much more involved and and it, and it would have been a very, a much more clearly uh, let me put it this way. I think, I think we are comfortable. We in this country are maybe comfortable is not the right word We're we've been acclimated to racial division. So we readily respond to issues of clear cut issues of race, uh, regardless of how one views race and which side of the line one is on. We clearly, I think, respond to those when, when race does not seem to be an obvious factor, then I think it takes a little bit longer for people to get stoked up. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Josh. I think it it could be argued both ways, but, but I will say, hmm? I do, I do have a question for you because you've been in Huntsville a long time. You're, you're you're plugged into, uh, to a lot of the, you know, the political scene here much more so than I am, you know, having only been here for a short period of time and, um, and, and particularly with, with the city council. Um, why is there not more outrage within uh, this community about the city council members paying for his defense? You know, with with a video that we saw without, without first understanding exactly what it was that they were doing, even, even if it's true that they didn't see the video, which is what they claim, which I don't necessarily buy. uh, But even if that's the case, why, why is there not more outrage about them paying for the defense of this man without fully understanding what the what was on the line? Well, I would argue, Josh, that there is outrage and, and, and it's been fairly sustainable, which is why Devin Keith, mm-hmm. uh, one of the two black city council persons there, uh, in fact, the one who was there, uh, you know, when this was voted on. Uh, he's actually backtracked and and said and expressed some regret for having voted for that. He he's publicly admitted that he didn't know all of the facts or that he made a poor decision. I can't remember what what excuse he used exactly, but I think uh, but that comes from public pressure. So uh, I think there is I think there is public pressure. I don't know that it's as heated. And again, I go back to the idea that unfortunately, I think for many people, uh, because of the way we're acclimated, I think a lot of people see in the black community in particular, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people see the injustice of this situation and it outrages them. But I uh, but I don't know that they are expressing their outrage in the same way they would have this man been a black man. Uh, but they are expressing it, and that's why that's why Keith had to recant, and it's also why I think John Meredith has taken uh, some. Uh, he's the other black person on the council, and he's admittedly uh, much more moderate to conservative uh, council member uh, relative to Keith or or Francis uh, Acreage. But I think that that even but I think that John um, has taken the position he's taken on body cams. 
you know, he's he's been very mm-hmm. pro. We got to get body cam footage out there. We've got to make it public because, mm-hmm. again, because of public pushback. So I think it's there. It, it may not be at the, at, the, at the heated level that it should be, but I think it's there. I, I do want to say one other thing, too, Josh. Um, we've, we've referenced Jay Towns here several times, and I think you're, you're right about the fact that Jay, and, I'm, and Jay and I are friendly. He's, he's a good guy. We've, uh, we've uh, both been doing uh, political analysis, election analysis for the CBS affiliate here in Huntsville, WHNT. Jay, Jay is a good guy, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, like you, that he's probably going to run for something. Mm-hmm. I think he's sort of wired for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I want to and I want to make a point of saying this publicly. Because of how I view Jay, it's going to be interesting to see if he does decide to run for something. How he evolves, <laughs> how he evolves when it comes to I think some devolves of these. will probably be more accurate, but I, well, yes, I, I take your point. Yeah, and I mean, I and I hope that he doesn't devolve, but mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how he evolves or devolves. Yeah, as it relates to common sense, uh, you know, pretty clear cut right and wrong issues that should transcend partisanship and ideology. And I'm just going to say publicly right now, before we move on to something else, my hope and prayer is that Jay will continue to be who he is today. And that he will not acquiesce, as I think many Alabama politicians do, that he will not acquiesce to pandering to race, pandering to discrimination and bigotry, and to some of this other stuff that I think often leads to the mess that and the toxicity that we see in this state. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's. It's going to be unavoidable uh, for him. And, um, you know, for him to, for him to to devolve into that. Yeah. 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 I just, I just think, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that it's, it's possible for, I don't think it's possible for a reasonable, um, Republic. I don't think it's possible for Richard Shelby to win uh, win statewide office, and I don't think it's possible for Richard Shelby to win many seats in this uh, in in Alabama's legislature uh, today um, with it, with his stances. Uh, and and obviously, I, you know, Richard Shelby and I disagree on ninety five percent of things, but um, I think that the way he has has chosen to to remain neutral for the most part on on matters of race and stuff when it comes to and to uh, matters of pandering for the most part uh, and to remain above it all. I don't think that would fly. And I think he would lose uh, if, you know, if his name was Richard Smith, for, for example, and took this exact same stances on everything. I think he would probably lose. And, so, uh, so, so let me ask you a question, because, you know, I'm very familiar, as you said, with Huntsville and Huntsville politics. You're much more familiar with Montgomery and state politics than I am, even though I'm, you know, I, I mean, I have some familiarity with it, but you've really done the, the hard line reporting through the years. Are, are you saying to me and to our audience that, in your opinion, there isn't one Republican in the legislature currently or one, and, and I'll even go a step further, that there isn't one elected Republican either in the legislature or statewide elected Republican 
who still has what we would consider to be a modicum of moderate, reasonable thinking on the issues that confront us in this state? Um, No, I'm not necessarily saying that. What I am saying is that um, those feelings uh, that they have, they're true feelings for things, because I think there are actually several. Uh, and they they tend to drive most things behind the scenes because they're they're smarter than the other uh, true believers. Uh, but those things are mostly hidden. Uh, that that moderation, that um, uh, you know, refusing to be drawn into uh, into these conversations about, or even taking the the opposing view on a lot of conversations about race and uh, bigotry of, of all sorts. Uh, you know, you have private conversations with a lot of these men, and and it's and it's a wholly different conversation than what they have publicly. Um, and so you realize pretty quickly what what game they're playing here is that they're placating uh, a group of of people that they really shouldn't be placating. Um, but the, it's the easiest pathway for them. Um, you know, resistance to things is is really tough. Um, you know, it, it, as Tommy Tuberville is, is finding out right now, uh, you know, I would say that his favorability over the way that he's handled the virus and you notice he stopped doing a lot of this stuff or the vaccine, I should say, uh, he stopped doing a lot of this stuff of late um, it, is costing him, uh, you know, some some voters. Uh, it, not because he's wrong in what he said, not because he's bashed people over the head with it, not because he's even criticized people, but because he has presented them with accurate facts that goes against what they want to believe. And so a lot of those same people in, in Montgomery, um, you know, and around the state, they, they lean into that easiest pathway. And you see it happen to people that you know, that you have conversation with, and you're like, what the hell are you talking about, man? You know, I, I mean, there is one in the, in a statewide office that'll probably be governor one day. That I mean, it's just it just drives me insane to read his press releases. Okay, just I mean, I, it just does, man. I, I still mean, know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I just, just know who you're talking about. It, it, I mean, it just uh, all it makes me so angry to you know to hear him or to read these things or or to listen to him or whatever, and then uh, and then to have a con. There's been times when he said some of this stuff, and then five minutes later. He's called me to say, well, uh, listen, I don't believe, you know, and, and to try to explain it. And it's just, you know, I well, mean, it just, it's, it's a, I hate it. I hate the way that, that I hate that it's a practical way to do it. I'm not excusing anybody. Don't get me wrong. It's wrong right. what they're doing. Okay. It right. is a hundred percent wrong, but it, 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 it bugs me to no end that it's a practice, that it's an easy way for them to go about it. Well, all I got to do is all I got to say is the next time Will Ainsworth calls you and tries to tries why to Why do you think Will's good? Why do you think it's Will? I'm not saying it's Will. As I as I was about to say, continue uh-huh. saying, sure. the next time Will Ainsworth calls you to make some secret Mia Copa to you like you're his that private confessor. Never happened. That's never happened. Like you're his private confessor, like you're his father mm. confessor in the confession box at, at, at before mass or something, you should, you should say to him, come on, grow a set. Just grow a set. 
Uh, That's what you should say. I, I, well, first of all, I, I've say. never had these conversations with Will Ainsworth. Okay, so but I'll, I'll say that it, it there, you know, that I have had similar conversations, and I'm just, it, it's just, you know, it's hopeless. It's a hopeless thing because it's too easy. It's it's almost like saying, uh, you know, to a toddler, you know, don't eat the cake. You know, they're gonna eat the cake, man. It's, it's just all there is to it. This, you know, that's the mindset. It's the toddler mindset, and it's just so easy. Um, speaking of toddler mindset, because we got we got to get out of here. Um, the our right wing nut of the week this week is uh, is a very deserving Greg Abbott, uh, the governor of Texas, who, in response to a reporter's question about the new Texas abortion law, which the Supreme Court has ill improperly allowed to stand, um, about that law allowing rapists to basically put a bounty on their victims um, uh, and try to force them to carry rape babies to term. Um, They asked him about that particular portion, and his reply to how that was not going to be a problem was, the state of Texas is going to stop all rapes. (laughs) (sighs) That's such a... That's such a... That's just such a dumb statement. I mean, it's it's just it's so, so childish. It's so if it, if it weren't for the fact that it's such a serious topic, I, you know, I, I would I'd be laughing more than I am. That's just so dumb. It's, so it's, okay. So first of all, okay, rape is your top priority in the state of Texas. Where's the legislation to prove that? Where are the policy recommendations to prove that? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Well, Here's here's my question Nothing. is if if you could stop rape, why haven't you done it? Exactly. You know? exactly. Well, exactly. Well, you just didn't get around to it. I mean, exactly. it was it was on the list. You know, rape, rape has only been around as long as uh, the history of mankind. So, you yeah. know, it's not like you haven't had. Uh, plenty of stuff to review in order to get your strategy together. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, what we had, okay, you, you wanted to, yeah, the, the list was, well, right, well, well, Monday, we got to stop black people from voting, and Tuesday, finish <laughs> right. building the wall, and, uh, and Wednesday, we got some, we definitely got some gerrymandering, and at some point, we're going to get to stop and rape. We're I mean, get around to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what the hell's been the hold up? If you can stop it, stop it. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. minority report you got going on here, man. What the hell? Yeah, and, uh, and and my suggestion would be if you really want to stop rape, then here's what you do. Here's what you do. You've already decided that it's okay for the state of Texas to to try to ensure that that uh, women, you know, to for the state of Texas to interfere with a woman's right to choose to uh-huh. to to legislate what happens inside of a woman's body, even though you're going about it in this kind of circuitous, dubious, you know. Uh, vigilante lawsuit method using mm-hmm. that as your method. Uh, so why don't you do something equally as uh, let's just say uh, out of the box? Why don't you uh, why don't you decide to say uh, you know men over men men once once men hit puberty mm-hmm. once males hit puberty why don't you just why don't you just make them all eunuchs just castrate them all all Ooh. the men in Texas just castrate them. Then you won't have to worry about any rapes, right? I mean, that would pretty much settle that, wouldn't it? Just, you know, just, 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 just require that all men 
once they hit puberty and they've completed puberty, let's let's give them, you know, give them a mm-hmm. chance to at least complete puberty. Once that happens, mandate that they all go to the urologist or whoever they're supposed to go to and do some snip those balls, man, and just I, let it be done. How about that? That'll I, I solve t- the rape problem. I, I gotta tell you, this is a tough way to end the show. <laughs> This is a tough way to end. I'm I'm not, look, I'm not planning to move to Texas, so I'm not worried about it. But I'm saying if you're trying to solve rape in Texas, it seems like to me that's what you'd have to do. I think that might be the only the only way to do it. But I mean, I just um, uh, I mean, because you can't you can't you can't know who's going to be a rapist and who's not. There's no magical way to know that. So you just have to you just have to snip them all. Just all, everybody's got to got to get their balls cut off. All of them. I I, I got to tell you, man, I did not I did not envision snip the balls being the phrase <laughs> that ended the show. That's uh, that's a very <laughs> well, a that's very a, tough way to go out. Well, you know what? It's about as dumb a it's about as dumb a comment to yeah. say snip the balls coming from me as it is for him to say that rape is his top priority uh, you know in the state of you know ending rape is his top priority they're both equally dumb yeah yeah you're right they, uh, they are equally as dumb as that's why say stupid is as stupid does or something like that yeah and that's that's why he's our right wing nut of the week uh, because he is indeed a nut first and foremost all right that's gonna wrap it up for us we're gonna slide out of here um and until next week you guys be safe and snip keep those balls, balls in order <laughs> snip the balls y'all snip the balls snip the balls